0: I love coffee. The wafting robust aroma is a welcome invasion to my smell receptors as I wake up in the morning to start my daily routine. Slowly pouring the hot brew over freshly frothed, heavy whipping cream, before slowly bringing it to my lips to partake in this time-honored ceremony carried out by kings and servants alike. But not today. Not this day. Because today, now, this eternal moment, I renounce my slavery. Last night, I woke from a dream. No, not a dream, it was a vision. I saw every moment in my life flooding my senses, all at once. Like I was watching a video mosaic of every decision I had made that wasn't my decision. Things I just did because it was expected, or kept the peace, or fill in the blank. Things I did that could best be described as mind control. I was controlled. I am controlled. So today... I don't want any coffee, thanks.
1: Adam doesn't want coffee? The end is nigh! Oh, here comes the boss, man. Sure, I know what this is about. We can talk later.
2: Adam, you're an hour late. What the hell? How do you mean? Are you serious? We start at 8. It's now 9.15.
0: I arrived 20 minutes ago at 7.55 a.m. 9.15 is the current daylight savings time implemented by bureaucrats, and I don't submit to it. Is this some sort of joke? I wasn't aware that I was coming across as trying to be funny. Daylight savings was never discussed or mentioned when I decided to work here.
2: Well, I'm your boss, and I'm telling you to be here at 8 a.m. based on the current established daylight savings time tomorrow morning, understand?
0: I have to correct you again. No one is my boss. Not you, not the board, not the CEO, not the president of the United States. I have a free will agreement to arrive here at 8 a.m. every weekday morning and do work for monetary compensation. If either of us are not satisfied with this arrangement, then we part ways. Why, you little son of! A- I also know that to find and hire someone with my skill set would cost the company no less than twenty thousand dollars and weeks of time and production loss. However, if you would like to ask me to start coming in at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. daylight savings then I'm sure that can be arranged.
2: What is it that you're trying to prove? What, 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 what is it you're trying to gain by protesting something as stupid as daylight savings time?
0: I have nothing to prove except to myself. I'm going to take the rest of the day off to give you time to consider our little conversation. And thank you for seeing things my way. Daylight savings is stupid. Now you might be thinking, is this just some kind of insane game of opposite day where no one else is in on it other than me? I have no obligation to inform anyone of plight because I'm not sure of it myself. I am the bug in the algorithm, the wrench in the cogs. It's not that I don't comply, I don't even acknowledge. I took a walk by the lake. For five years I have worked here, and this lake has been a stone's throw away. This is the first time I've come here. Hey, what's up, man?
1: Dude, word got around quick about your little show at the office. What is going on with you? Daylight savings?
0: It's not about daylight savings.
1: Then what is it?
0: It's hard to explain.
1: Well, try to later. We're still going to the game tonight, right?
0: I was in no mood to go to a sports event. Not today. Perhaps not ever again. But that didn't mean I was going to be rude. I already made the plans with him, so I said, Yeah, it's still on. I'll pick you up at seven.
1: Seven? But it'll be too late. The
0: real seven o'clock.
1: <laughs> okay, I see what you did there. Seven it is, or 60 light savings.
0: See you then.
3: Please enter your voicemail security code. You have no new messages and no saved messages. To listen to your voice message, press 3 to change your voice message, press 4. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished, press the start key.
0: Hello, anyone and everyone. If you're calling this number, then you know who this is. I will no longer be receiving voice or text messages. If you would like to get a hold of me, my email is asmith at or come knock on my door. When is the last time any of you have done that? And don't worry, I'll be getting a landline installed and the number distributed to those I see fit. Have a nice day.
4: Your new message has been saved.
3: You can hang up or press 1 for more options.
0: No dumping in Lake. Suppose after work I should go buy a new slash old telephone.
2: Did you find everything okay?
0: Well, I didn't need to find everything, just one thing. Wow, haven't seen anyone
4: buy one of these that was under mm, 70?
0: <gasps> she stood there waiting for the standard reaction everyone has to hearing a sneeze. A bless you, perhaps. Even God bless you. I resisted the urge and let things play out.
3: Okay,
0: that'll be 1523, please. Here you go.
3: Have a good day,
0: ass. It was painless. Nothing happened in this small social experiment and even if it did, I wouldn't care. The rest of the afternoon, I pushed small limits. I didn't hold doors for anyone. Rude. I crossed streets that didn't have the walk light on. No shirt, no shoes. I took off my shoes, making sure the clerk saw me. I caught service. Now this may all seem ridiculous and you might even say petty, but this wasn't about making a statement or to get attention. This was about going off script. These minor societal infractions were applying mental resistance on my mind, making me stronger and less afraid with every blade of grass the sign told me not to walk
3: on. Min
4: O Tars, Min O woohoo!
0: Yeah, nothing says victory like being trapped in a maze for eternity. What? Never mind.
1: Man, what has gotten into you? I'm worried. You don't. You don't seem to be yourself.
0: Myself? I'm not so sure. I've even been myself.
1: Well, you aren't acting like the Adam I have come to know and love. Like at work today, no coffee, which is just Looney Tunes for you. Then, of all things, to get up in Yosemite Sam's ass about. The guy is a dick all day, every day, and the battle you choose to fight is daylight savings?
0: Do you ever get the feeling you do things every day that have almost nothing to do with any decisions you actually made for yourself?
1: I certainly didn't think I'd be doing
0: data entry for a cardboard box company. I don't mean that. I mean everything. When you wake up, how you brush your teeth, what you watch on TV, the clothes you wear, right down to the goddamn song that gets stuck in your head. Any choices you think you're making are purely symbolic. Paper or plastic, white or wheat, red or blue. Do you want fries with that? It goes on ad infinitum.
1: The only choice I'm thinking about is getting to this game. You can get existential in your own time. (laughs) Come on, good buddy. We've been looking forward to this all week. Let's just worry about getting to the stadium.
0: The sounds, the smells, the lights flooded and invaded my senses. It all was offensive to me. I couldn't blame any of them, especially Peter. A few days ago, I would have found this to be the best day of the year, and I would have baptized myself in the spectacle of this event. I knew Peter could sense my resolve, but it wasn't going to stop him from having a great time.
1: Yeah! The Minotaur are going to crush!
0: Let's get this bloodbath
4: started! Greetings, sports fans. Please rise now for our national
0: anthem. Oh no, I hadn't factored in this moment. This is the first time today where I felt a real tug-of-war in my mind. I felt my legs contracting to rise from my seated position in order to place my hand over my heart in honor of a star-spangled piece of cloth. I didn't hate America, Americans, the flag, or the republic for which it stood. But today, I was free. And if those final words of the song echoing through the stands had any truth in them, The land of the free and home of the brave started and ended with my ass remaining firmly planted in this chair. Hey guy, what's your buddy's problem? What are you doing, man? It's no concern of yours. You some kind of bleeding heart, woke-ass snowflake? (laughs) Seriously, man, stand up. The light of day doesn't need saving.
1: What the fuck are you talking about? Come on, we're leaving.
0: Ask me. If we don't leave
3: right now,
1: I will personally push your nose to the back of your skull.
0: For your sake, let's leave.
2: Well, everybody, uh, welcome back to another episode of True Theater Radio. This is episode five. And uh, obviously, I've said it before, but like most podcasts, we take a little bit longer to get to it because we have an actual production that has to happen. Um, So, uh, uh, we're really glad to be back, and uh, we are really excited for today's episode. So, today we have our guest, Jahan Satur, if that's how you pronounce your last name properly, but Jahan Satur, who is also the uh, star of our uh, audio drama, and uh, he considers himself, he doesn't consider himself, he is a self-sabotage coach who specializes a lot in, uh, in topics like mind control, and uh, which is why that was the main theme of the audio drama. So we're excited to have him, and uh, so say hi, uh, they we're really glad to have you on, uh, Johan. How are you doing?
0: Thanks
2: for having me on. Cool. Um, uh, just to be, just to be perfectly frank, as far as the podcast world's concerned, uh, I consider myself extremely amateur. So if I don't do all this exactly right right off the bat, just uh, you know,
3: no a yeah, little patient rolling. with me.
2: So I'm no scripts. We're just rolling. Just wanted to ask you some stuff. And I'm by the way, my name is Jonah, and uh, and uh, we're just here to talk about uh, mind control. Mind control is a big topic that a lot of people talk about, but I think one of the most interesting things about mind control is you never really know if you're being mind controlled. That's what makes it mind <laughs> yeah. control. Am I right? Yeah,
0: anybody that is mind controlled looks, talks, <laughs> you know, they act exactly like you, you and I would act. That's
2: the scariest part. They exist. Ru- yeah, I know. And that's that's something that I've... I've always thought when it came to mind controls, we like to. I think one of the biggest problems everybody seems to have is that nobody wants to think they're mind controlled. Nobody, it's like I'm not mind controlled. Especially Americans. Americans are the most arrogant when it comes to being. Mind- it's like no way we're not. We don't fall for propaganda. That was a Nazi thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, not so much. We're we've been mind controlled. We're mind controlled all the freaking time. And the thing is, is I know personally. That I know I'm mind-controlled all the time. I know I am. And it's one of those things where I feel like it's almost has this kind of outer body experience when I see myself doing things that I know that I don't deep down want to do, but I'm fully consciously aware of it, and I hate it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Give an example. I don't don't know if that's some kind of self-awareness. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just today. I mean, like, I've got this lady I work for. She's not even my boss, but she acts like she's my boss, and I'm instead of just being like, well, screw you, I just, if, if they're like, if, you know, she needs me to do something, then it's never like, it's never like a request. It's like, tells me to do it, and I usually do it just to keep the peace, yeah. you know, but... So I mean that's just like one example, but it's it's like little it's it's little thing it, like for, just just to give you for instance, the the audio drama portion of this was almost a little bit therapeutic for me, in the sense that I wrote your character of kind of the everything that I wish I would do but I don't, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I laughed at you know. the, um, the whole Adam perspective of things because i was that guy when i first woke up i was like i don't want any coffee (laughs) and every you know everybody's like (laughs) yeah okay the part really nailed it because everybody is so controlled by everyone else's ideas of how the world should be that when you say you don't want any coffee or you don't want to participate in the national anthem or you don't want to get anything from mcdonald's or anything like that people look at you like what and it's like they can't comprehend because the mind control it creates a compartment in their mind where they are that thing there's no separation between them and a big man Mm -hmm. and they kind of will continue to loop over that same desire and need for it. And all of the instructions that go along with that will continue to repeat over and over and over again. So you're the one that to them, you're under my control, or you're crazy, or something else just is not right with you. Like you're not a human being to them anymore.
4: Yeah, I find it very interesting. It's actually something I've been listening to this other podcast of where they kind of went to the whole idea where Basically, we are the ones like people like you, I, my brother and people in our kind of our community. We are we're the ones that are defective. Like there's something wrong with us. We're the brainwashed ones. And that's I find that quite humorous is like because in the truth or community, it's like we're the ones trying to not be brainwashed. And so, but we get this constant backlash of like, you're a conspiracy theorist. And they, people, now people say they, when people call me a conspiracy theorist, now I take it as a badge of honor. I'm like, yeah, thanks. It means I think, you know? And so, but the uh, one thing that's very, uh, like I find that is very ironic is that they will say that we are the ones that are brainwashed, just like you said. And when you go through life like that, you're the oddball out. It is quite uncomfortable because you know, for you know, damn well that you're at least trying to get out of that paradigm, even though you know every single day there's still stuff being. I mean, I, I still, want, I mean, how many times you drove past the Burger King and smelled the burgers from uh, coming out of right. the freaking building and you know you want that freaking hamburger, even though you, you know, damn well, it's terrible for you, you know? Yeah, you know, the
0: thing about that is, is that, um, once you begin to harness your sensory awareness, those things don't have an impact on you anymore because you realize that what you're smelling is poison. Like you change the association. Right. Right. And, and that's actually practice. something I kind of yeah
4: it's something I want to kind of get into about because um uh, are you familiar with uh, uh uh Milton Erickson and Richard Bandler's work with uh, NLP and uh, uh, with yeah it's, uh, it's John Grinder. Kind of
0: John Grinder and um, Richard Bandler.
4: Richard Bandler, yeah. I'm, I've Did also been to yeah. some research on uh, Milton Erickson. I mean, I've known about Milton Erickson for quite some time. I, I've kind of gotten into very fascinating stuff. And so based on your expertise, because you're a mindfulness coach, do you have any kind of things that you can kind of like any, any kind of, I guess, tips or things that you can do that would keep people like keep people in a mindset where they can go through their day I mean, because clearly people who are listening to this show and people are listening like, people are listening to your show we're already on a different wavelength we're not we it's very difficult to trick us but there might be some pe- some things that I mean clearly because things are coming at us all the day all the time and so i would like to know from your expertise can you sh- can you maybe give some people some pointers on like how to maintain their sense of awareness while not going into kind of a, a I guess, a theta brainwave, you know, hypnotic state where they're just I, I think that's, is it theta where, you know, like that's where children are when they're like until they're seven where there's everything they see is real. Um, But if they can, uh, like something that you would have that like you can give people some kind of ideas of how not to get into this hypnotic state where they're And they react on it.
0: Right, so let me start at the beginning and and kind of explain everything there. So NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, was created as an offshoot of psychology and hypnotherapy, taking the best um, wisdom and insights from it and trying to make it into one concrete method of helping people to tap into different layers of their conscious awareness to make change very quickly. So what they did was they took techniques like anchoring. And so in both hypnotherapy and NLP, they have anchoring and they have triggers. And you anchor something by using emotion and visualization or using an auditory response. Or, you know, it, basically the the abbreviation is VAKOV, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. So the last two are uh, smell and taste. And um, what happened is that they kind of came up with the philosophy that everything that we do is based on these three categories. Neuro, which is your brain, how it's programmed. Linguistic, the words that your beliefs are encased in and programming which is exactly what it sounds like. So um, that technique, it's actually a very dark form of psychology. Nobody wants to really talk about it because everybody tries to put those two guys up on a pedestal. And uh, in reality, NLP is used by the FBI, CIA, and ISIGs, you know, you name it. And it's used in what we consider journalism. So when you're de- it's even used on stage with musicians, certain musicians are good at it. You will see certain gestures and things like that that people do that just kind of tend to be hypnotic towards people. Certain ways of wording things tend to be hypnotic towards certain people. And the problem with the way society is set up is that it's catered around hurting people like sheep on a human farm it's not really geared towards freedom whatsoever it's all about pulling you back to a state of unawareness and running on whatever is in you by default so from the time you're born they have to get you in a position where you're completely disempowered and that happens by law of nature anyway because if you look at how a baby is a baby is born and it looks around to everyone around it for guidance to keep it safe so the concept of learned helplessness well people can say that adults learn to be helpless or or people learn that as a behavior but it's installed in a time we come out because we don't have a choice right and so that underlying theme right there goes with us throughout our entire life and just to give a breakdown of the way that things are set up for us is that uh to bring in what you were saying to tie that into what you were saying children are in what's called the hypnagogic state which is that very low brain wave and it's a deep state of waking hypnosis they still see entities floating all around them they still see dead grandma grandpa they still see uh the creature that lives under the bed they are seeing all kinds of different things that are happening beyond this reality and their minds are connecting out into the field of intelligence through that subconscious faculty which i like to refer to as the mind of god because it taps us back into everything we have all kinds of information that we can tap into right back to other lifetimes um, any ancestral traumas or anything like that um we have different belief levels like the genetic level where certain things are inherited that other people did, and then when we encounter a similar scenario in this lifetime, we'll fire off that program just so, because it's been in there and it's been something that's been accepted, you know. Okay. So, um, let me tie in a couple more things here before we ask you ask your question. So, it is in that hypnagogic state from zero to six years old, about seven years old talks. They break out of that state. So everything they're learning, it's direct input into the brain until they're seven years old. What they learn then, they carry from seven to 14. They're interacting with different people, other kids at school, stuff like that. And they're trying to play out these programs and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Then when they enter adolescence, they go from 14 to 21 and whatever they didn't get rid of in that 7 to 14 phase, they're now trying to reapply and reestablish some pattern for that. They want it to fit into the context of their everyday life. So if you just take those three categories alone, you realize that we're still trying to use programs we figured out when we were babies that were handed to us to apply to real life teenage and into adult situations. And so what happens to most of us is that we are infantilized by society, by the powers that shouldn't be. And we're given instructions as how to think and behave at all times from every direction. And even parenting is a form of mind control. We have parental mind control. Then when we go get our jobs, we have paycheck mind control. Right? And then when we are interacting with our friends, say you want to convince me to go out and have a beer or something. Well, that simple form of coercion is a form of mind control. Now, how that fits in before you ask your next question is that we are always in a state of waking hypnosis. And so it's very difficult to not be hypnotized by. And the reason for that waking hypnosis is because the brain is processing 10 trillion bits of information per second. And that's a lot of stuff. And the conscious mind, the purpose of the conscious mind is really to keep us from bumping into shit, as I like to say. The subconscious mind is doing everything else. Now, some people who really, really don't know who they are, they're just a collection of complex programs that they picked up from the time they were a baby until whatever age they're at. They're probably running less than five percent of conscious awareness. The majority of us are running five percent. They tried to say years ago that maybe it was about fifteen percent, but they realized no, that's the humans are gone, That can't be true. So you know they figured out that um, oh, ninety-five percent of the day we are in our subconscious mind, and it's something Oh, how much? Per- What's
4: the percentage? Ninety-five percent of the day.
0: Ninety-five percent of the day you are in your subconscious mind. <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing right now? We're in a podcast. I'm. I was. I don't know what I'm doing right now.
0: Are you serious? Right. Yeah, oh, right. Ninety-five what, percent of the, the day. Things, yeah, a lot of the times that we think we're consciously aware of something and that we're thinking, we're actually not thinking. We're just having thoughts that correspond with programs. That's terrifying,
4: we, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah, exactly. How do you, that's what I'm trying to ask you. How do we break that? Let's let's get rid of that nonsense. I'm let's gonna. Get I'm,
0: gonna I'm gonna get there. So because we're all, all right, cool. in this mode of doing everything from a subconscious level the only way to get there is to hack the subconscious mind and it can be done in several different ways we have to come to someone like me or go to a hypnotist like a hypnotherapist straight up maybe a board certified hypnotherapist if you want to stop smoking or you know lose some weight or something like that you can go to somebody like that or you can come to someone like me because uh not all self-sabotage coaches are uh based in hypnotherapy or anything like that. Some of them are just, you know, they got like a certificate for 25 bucks on the internet or something somewhere. Yeah. But most of us will have at least NLP and a good basis in psychology that can show you how to reverse engineer your thoughts, in other words. So, what I like to do, because I can only speak for myself, is what I like to do is I can combine my ten years of experience doing psychology, NLP, hypnotherapy, and put that all into one nice little package. The reason for the mindfulness is that I like to call it mindful, which should be obvious to most people, but it's not. Um, because the mindfulness culture has been hijacked as well by certain people in authority who don't want people to really be able to think for themselves. They want to Actually use something that's healthy and as a mechanism to pacify more people. Keep them docile, infantilized, outside of their power, right? Uh, the whole traditional mindfulness thing is don't ever get angry. But Anger is one of the best uh, emotions that you can actually have because it's a doing emotion. It suggests movement. In fact, in psychology, we have something called the Kubler-Ross change curve, where it's like something happens to you, you experience a trauma, And you go through several phases and it begins with acceptance and then sometimes somebody goes through denial. But the only way to know that you're halfway through the change processing and growing in a particular direction is when you actually get angry and you want to make certain changes in your life, right? So that they know this, the people who hurt us like sheep, they know this and they want to keep us as docile as possible, keep us as entertained as possible. And keep us outside of actually critically questioning the things that we experience every day so when i say mindful it means let everything that's coming up be what it is and learn to pick and choose well, what am i actually going to respond to and question the living shit out of everything that happens in the head so i tend to teach people questioning frameworks like let's say something's happening you're having a thought about something and you say to yourself okay stop for what purpose am i having this thought if you stay quiet for at least 30 seconds after asking that question a thought's going to emerge from the back of your mind that you've never heard before maybe it's in a tone of voice you never heard before but it sounds a lot like you and it will answer the question when you get that answer for that question you can ask it again okay so whatever you just said, repeat repeat it back to yourself and then you say, okay, so for what purpose am I having that response to this? And it will give you more information. So what that actually is doing is that it's unpacking the different parcels and packets of information that go along with a particular program because the brain is a meaning-making machine. And as we go out through our day and, and in prior history, we've been assigning meanings to things. And creating what's called an internal representation system which is just strategies as to how to deal with this thing and that thing and this thing and Tom down the street and the asshole at work and all those different things right and what we try to do is we try to put a square peg in a round hole basically so we try to apply certain coping mechanisms certain strategies to situations that it would not necessarily suit and so that's one aspect of it, but we have to realize is that the subconscious is going to fire off these programs in concert with the limbic system. So the limbic system is that part back here that's kind of like afraid of everything and it's come through the process So I won't use the word evolution, but a lot of people would understand if I said evolution. I just like the process of maturation as a species. How many ever hundreds of thousands of years they claim we've been around we've been slowly refining the hardware by learning and mostly failing to figure out what things are scary how are we going to stay safe all those different kinds of things and so the limbic system is primarily concerned with how do i stay safe subconscious mind loves things that equal safety as well and so it's going to through a series of repetitions, usually two to three, of experiencing one thing, it's gonna register that as an appropriate response to something. Right? And so subconscious mind is also a hard drive. And you can use the mindfulness to gradually take back your conscious awareness every day, but you're really only gonna get 5% of it every day. So it's more about breaking one pattern at a time until you rehardwire that neural pathway in your mind, and then you don't do that thing anymore. You know? So, I would never, I would never tell anybody that came to me that okay, we're gonna do everything all at once because that would be retarded. You would automatically get thrown into fear mode and default back into your everyday responses to things, and that's why it's so hard for people to give up stuff because it's automatic. The limbic system has some measure of fear attached to whatever it is and so you reach for caffeine because you hate your fucking life you go out you drink a few beers with your friends and you feel like crap the next day because you hate your fucking life you come home you turn on the tv you don't want to do anything with your life because you can't imagine doing anything other than that because you're tired because you don't have any energy of your own because you expend all of your energy on trying to stay alive throughout the process of the day so 95% of the day you're just trying to stay alive based on program and so I recommend meditation as a a great tool because what happens when you close your eyes and you begin that deep breathing it's it's long yogic breathing as it's supposed to be taught but they don't always teach that you know, if you've been I've been to some pretty bad yoga classes where person was an absolute douchebag and they had no idea what they were doing they were just like glorified stretching no real attempt at showing people how to properly breathe or anything and most of us breathe incorrectly. most of us um get programmed out of that because we breathe the right way when we're babies where our stomach comes all the way out when we inhale and it comes all the way in when we exhale But the first time something scary happens, we get triggered into this mode where we break that pattern. And we stay in these really shallow lung breaths. And what that does is it activates the limbic system even more. So the general rule is anytime you are in stress, the subconscious mind will take over. The subconscious mind, you don't even have to be in stress. The subconscious mind will take over if you're driving to work. And actually, you want to be in the subconscious mind when you're driving to work. All those people who are doing the most garbage like they hesitate at stoplights or intersections and things like that those are the people who are trying to consciously drive and they're very dangerous people to be driving around so uh, <laughs> it's, it's some things you kind of need to be in the subconscious for you know but let me not uh get too far ahead of myself when you're doing that breathing something very strange happens because breathing is directly correlated to your feeling of safety inside of the body and it translates to the mind okay we're actually safer than we think let's do this thing and this thing differently than how it would happen so when you slow that breathing down the frequency of the thoughts the speed of the thoughts that you receive slows down it rearranges those thoughts into what I like to call, what is the most important issue, the most pressing issue, your MPI. What is your MPI right now? And there's other uh, ways of tapping into that too. Like if you've ever heard of uh, emotional frequency tapping and things like that, where you just tap on your forehead like that, that deactivates the limbic system. So that slows down the thoughts. And what tapping on this actually does is it's, Causes you to release energy. You release the energy of the yeah. thought. So it's kind of like squeezing on a wet sponge. You know? <laughs> I
4: don't mean me interrupt you just but just because we're we're audio only podcast. Uh, he was tapping on his forehead and, just for anybody who just heard, heard that. It's like, what is NPI? Can you find yeah.
2: that real quick. Ah, yeah. So I like
0: to call it the most pressing issue your NPI. Okay. So. You can do all kinds of things to kind of slow that down, but breathing is the easiest one to do because we're doing that every day, anyway. And um, like I said, it slows everything down so you can kind of see it because what's happening is that the mind is always doing this. It's always like, hey, man, here's this thing. You want to keep that? And most of us do our best to run away from it or we just, ah, whatever, and we move on to the next thought. And so what happens is it gets back in the line and it comes back around again, and it continues to do that. So Until you deal with something, whether it's good or bad, it's going to stay in there. And so most people, when I explain this, they think, oh, that sounds like too much work. But it's like, you're going to be breathing and you're going to be thinking all day anyway. Would you rather not be in misery or you just want to stay and suffer all day, right? (laughs) That's that's,
3: a good
4: way to look at it. Because a lot of times when people hear meditation, they're thinking, okay, I I have to like stop whatever I was doing and and they see it as an action. And I'm guilty of this, too. I've tried meditating for it. It feels like I'm going to be doing something. But then I stop and think about it. It's like, well, I'm just walking around the apartment, breathing and thinking anyway. Why don't I do it with some direction? You know,
0: exactly. And you're you're going to go to sleep anyway. So as you're laying in your bed, just focus on your breathing. Just focus on your stomach coming out and coming in on the exhale. It's That simple, it doesn't have to be anything more complex than that. If you don't want it to be, you would not believe how many people would resist just that. It's like you're gonna be breathing anyway, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, so they don't want to do that. But the, the, I guess you probably have more questions to ask. But the thing about self sabotage coaching is that it's a lot of correcting of behavior, and that's the thing that a lot of people need because they were raised by parents who did the best they could, but who were also infantilized by the system. And so they don't have the best, um, internal strategies for navigating through very unique life situations, you know? And yeah, yeah. we'll get into the other stuff. I'm well, sure.
2: I had a, moment. I had a quick, yeah. it was kind of a, you, you touched on, you touched on a lot of things and a few of those things is, uh, some stuff I had, I had written down, uh, one, when you when you talk about mind control, and this is gonna—I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this—but it was just I was just kind of thinking about it a little bit. Um, is there such a thing as good mind control? <laughs> and and I'm I'm I, I I I it sounds funny, but I'm kind of I'm also being a little I'm being kind of serious in the sense that. If there's no such thing as any kind of control whatsoever, you might have just complete and total chaos in the world. Take, for instance, you know, everybody has that, everybody's seen that, even if they never met one, they've heard of that parent that's like, well, my son is just a free-thinking child. I let them do whatever they want. Sure, they just spilled, they just spilled grape juice all over your carpet. He's just expressing himself. You know, that kind of thing. He's like, no, little Johnny get your ass back in there and don't do that again. That's a form of my, you have to basically (laughs) push children in a certain direction that they're not just total insane, totally insane. (laughs) My brother's
4: asking you if you know how to hypnotize his extremely hyperactive son.
0: You have to to discipline your children, whether it be um, being stern with the child or you might have to put your hand on their ass. Because there's a very tribal part of us that exists that right. until we are slapped the fuck down, <laughs> we don't take certain things seriously. And what happens uh, from a psychological perspective, and, and you know, this is yeah, fucking it's her fault. fault. I feel like this is fucking Everything over everything's I
4: Oprah's fault. Everything's Everything Oprah's, Oprah's fault. fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like she came out during the 90s, and she kept having yeah. guests on her show that were psychologists, And they're, you know, trying to take discipline out of the family system, which is a a critical phase in breaking down the family system because children need to be disciplined roughly at times because subconsciously they don't take you seriously subconsciously that makes them feel safe because they're pushing against your boundaries as a parent and you got to slap them the fuck down. You have to put them in their place. However you see fit. Nobody's saying punch a kid in the face or anything like that. They're just saying you, you have to be a little bit snarky with them. You have to be a little bit rough with them. You have to raise your voice. You have to change your body language. You have to let them know because subconsciously they're looking for safety in the herd. Who's the pack leader? Daddy is. And so the the mother is supposed to do all these things. She's supposed to be loving, nurturing, kind. She will deliver certain forms of discipline as well, values and things like that. But the dad's supposed to come along and drag little Johnny across the carpet and be like, Clean that up. I'm gonna teach you how to clean this up and teach you how to be responsible for yourself. You don't do that, right? So that's been lost <laughs> on purpose. And it's fucking Oprah's fault. We've been systematically uh, exposed <laughs> oh, to, all. yeah, the dissolving of the family system in different ways and all this shit about, you know, certain things with like child abuse and, you know, you can't yell at your kid and go, go a no, little Johnny go have a little time out. All that kind of stuff has been done on purpose to stop us from being the authorities that we need to be for our children. And it does them a disservice because then we see highly weak and infantilized adults who can't do anything for themselves. They can't stand up for themselves. They can't deliver discipline to their own kids. They self-sabotage all the time because they can't reel their own ass in. And so, you know, being a self-sabotage coach is kind of like being a daddy to everybody because some people need to get their ass worked. That
4: leads into a different question because, like, I I personally have always thought that the whole if you spank your kids, they're going to lose IQ is a (laughs) psyop. It's like, Joan and I, we're smart as fuck. We got our ass beat all the time when we were kids, man. We got beat. My dad had a paddle he made out of wood in his own shop just to hit us with it. And it was like, (laughs) I'm looking at everybody else around me, and they're all a bunch of dumb shits. And they never got, they never even got punished before. So I'm like, I, I'm not really buying the whole, like... Because I've heard that... And so, maybe you've worked with this kind of thing in your field... Because, like, the whole concept of... You can't spank your kid... Is gonna make you stupid. I'm like... I think most of the people walking around... Should have got fucking smacked around a little bit.
0: Exactly. All Uh, the kids that didn't get smacked around... Those are the ones that are overly entitled. Those are the ones that are extremely narcissistic. They don't have any self-discipline. They can't make choices for themselves... They're looking to suck on the tit of the government. They need right. direction from everywhere except for themselves. You know, they're probably sucking their wife's toes. You know, all kinds of weird shit. They can't do anything. They, and they sit around and they hang around they're like mouth breathers, literally because their mouths are hanging open. When anything happens, right. they have no idea how to handle life. So nobody ever smacked their ass. Now, I got my ass beat quite a few times for silly shit. Everybody Wait, okay. before we
4: before we go any further, let me just make a disclaimer. True <laughs> theater is not condone the abuse of children. <laughs> proper, <laughs> proper discipline, we do a pro- we do a promo. Just so we, know. we make that clear. Right. We're not into beating kids. We're just like, right. you know I got right. my ass beat if I did something wrong. You had it was it. only, you it was had only it like coming. specifically to fix the problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. coming, you had it coming. Oh my God. Remember that? I don't know if you remember this, Jonah. remember that one time I shot one of those, like, yeah. one of those little yeah, dart like... guns, you know, the thing with that sticks to the wall. And I shot I, it, and it hit you remember. in the eye. <laughs> I don't, you probably I, don't remember this. I'll never forget this. I shot oh, it, yeah, we were I just playing around. This. It wasn't intentional, but I it hit you in the eye. And Dad comes out. I got my ass beat for that because he's acted like I freaking intentionally walked up to your eye and just shot you with this thing. And it was horrifying, but I'll never do that. It never did that shit again. Never did it again. It's fine. All's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember one time I was like six years old and my mom had bought a $300 industrial cleaner or something like a gallon of it. And for some reason, man, I just went into the washing room, took this thing off the shelf, poured it down the fucking sink. And then when I realized uh, what I'd done, I looked. Why did up, you right? do that? I looked. I looked at it. I was like, "Uh oh!" And I just put the cap on. And I threw it up behind the washing machine, and my mom <laughs> found it. Oh my god! I oh got my ass beat. Oh, I tell you what, every time I see uh, industrial cleaning, supplies, still gets a little tight. So
3: you know. <laughs> They serve this purpose learn that there's consequences. Oh, man, that you know? crazy.
0: That's so the weird. point. I mean, people do yeah. stuff in this day and age, especially <laughs> these days, and they don't have any concept of how anybody else is going to feel about it. They don't have any concept of consequences right. or anything. It's because they never got their ass beat and were never held and accountable that, for anything. That, that actually,
2: uh, yeah, I totally and, I totally hear what you're saying. And that actually brings, because you had brought it up about um how 95% of the day, we're just spending our time trying to survive. And what kind of came to my mind when you were saying that was, it seems like while there may be that element that's in the back of our head that's simply trying to survive, I think it, it I can only, I can really only speak for myself, but I can say across the board, this is probably more closer to what people are like when they are experiencing stress or, disc, or anything along those lines. That it seems like people are more trying to s- stay away from pain or discomfort. Because most of the time, I know inherently, you know, it doesn't matter if I, what I do at my job. What's the worst that can happen? They fire me and I go find another one? You know, if I, if I you know, get any number of things that can happen. You know, you, you smart talk a, a cop. What's the worst that can happen? You didn't break any laws. You can say whatever the fuck you want to a cop, but people, but we don't, we're, we're really polite and we're always trying to ma- stay away from, from pain. And it's like, even when it comes, you know, cause I, I've thought about this before and I'm like, I'm not necessarily afraid of dying. I just don't want to die in a really horrific, painful
4: way. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's really all it comes down to. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think the same thing. It's like, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of having yeah. my entrails it's pulled like, out of my stomach. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, God, oh, enough, we're just yeah. going to
2: keep, you know, being tortured is like one of those horrific things people don't even like to think about. It's like... You know, if I was in a torture chamber, I'd actively be trying to kill myself. But that's, I mean, we're going to full extremes, but I mean, really, that's kind of going back to all the way what you're talking about, even with with simple things like drinking coffee. It's like, drinking drinking coffee isn't, you don't want to feel pain. It's really just, you just don't want to feel pain. And I'm like, we do it all, we do it all the time.
0: Exactly. Because... We have this this preconceived notion that coffee makes everything better, but what it does is it numbs the senses it turns the brain off. Uh, I'll give you a couple of links that you maybe can put it in your show notes because people need to see this shit. It, within 10 minutes of drinking a cup of coffee, the brain activity goes from all the way on the outskirts down to nothing. So the center of the brain, like these two little jelly beans hopping around and that's it like that's all you can see on a fmri (laughs) don't ruin my
4: coffee morning, man don't do that you you got you You got to ruin my coffee bro (laughs) and so why that's
0: (laughs) important is for two reasons because it numbs people and they don't actually have the energy to tap into to do really really difficult things when stuff happens but also you're you're basically stealing energy from tomorrow you know, the reason why and this is hilarious the reason why you have to go to the bathroom after you drink a cup of coffee is because you literally scare yourself so you scare the shit out of yourself with a cup of coffee it has a it has a fear reaction basically that's interpreted by your powers, <laughs> no way and you just you have to let. Your Dude, you're blowing
4: my mind. Are You serious? Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're, we're getting on a whole another rabbit hole right here. This is a, this is true theory, y'all. We gotta get to the, to the bottom of this coffee fiasco here. You mean to tell me, when you drink coffee in the morning, <laughs> you're you literally go into a fight or flight
3: mode and then go you shit yourself? You're <laughs> the <That doesn't> <laughs> uh, shit
0: out of you yourself. yourself from drinking coffee. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a, uh, a response. That's a new coffee brand.
4: Scare the shit out of yourself, coffee company. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Shit's way in caffeine. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it yeah. causes the neurons of your brain to fire so rapidly that it creates a particular chemical response in the pituitary gland, which is called ACTH, adrenocorticotrophic hormone. So what that does is it, it's telling your adrenal glands to produce stress hormones. Throws you right into fight or flight immediately. You shit yourself. Your body's so afraid, but your mind doesn't feel it. Your mind goes, ah, that's good, because it decreases the brain activity down to nothing. And so that makes it easy for you, after you've done wipe your ass, to go on and do mundane tasks for the rest of the day, right? But the problem there is that the caffeine raises your... Cortisol levels for at least 18 hours, when it, because that's how long it stays in the system. So by the time you've de-stressed from that cortisol just raging through your bloodstream all day, you're probably on to your next cup of coffee, or it's bedtime, and then you're sitting there in bed with racing thoughts, or you're so exhausted from using all of your energy reserves that you would have had if you were being chased by a lion that you just conk out. So. It's really dangerous, and caffeine is one of the most lobbied things out. There. Um, they pretty much run the gamut on everything, and caffeine is a hidden ingredient in a lot of different things.
2: Man,
3: you're blowing so my mind here. Well, like, I mean, seriously. I actually like, listened to the the about the guy right.
2: talking about coffee and how basically it's like the <laughs> it's been weaponized, which is really kind of really kind of crazy because. Don't get me wrong. Now let me just let me just say this. I do have you on record saying how much you love coffee.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> I, I just you um but yeah, uh, yeah. the thing the thing that was yeah. dry, that was that I when I when I was listening to him talking about and I really was like I, I couldn't wait to have you on cuz I really wanted to hear why you had such a thing against coffee and I and you know, while all while I was listening to him talking about how it was used to basically drug up women back in the forties, you know, I and we're gonna, I'm actually, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna put a link to this <laughs> yeah. on our right. website. I'm gonna put a link to this. I've already,
4: yeah, put it in the show notes because I want to see this. How come I didn't get the, the I didn't see this. Yeah, like, they drug was used people to, with it coffee. Was used
2: to drug drug women yeah. back in the forties. I can't honestly. I can't even remember all of it. But it, it's it's. It's been one of those things that's been pushed by everybody, and I'll—I'll I'll be honest. It's one of those things that's dry. That's always irritated the crap out of me is when I see all these people wearing T-shirts or having these signs on. Them. It's like, it's like, I don't know, some kind of annoying little slogan like, uh, like, it's Monday, yeah. Oh, or, well, or, it's Monday. Yeah, i have my coffee. Like, yeah, it's you like, know, screw you until I have my coffee or something stupid like that, and I'm just like.
3: Yeah. yeah don't like, talk to me until it's I like have there's my coffee. There's only two things in this yeah, world yeah, that yeah. matter:
2: my yeah. children and my coffee. <laughs> you know, it's just dumb shit like that. I'm like, I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, and and so don't get me basic. started on freaking so Starbucks. Yeah. Good God, yeah. every single time I even see a Starbucks, I, I mean, every time I even see a Starbucks, I get freaking irritated. I'm like, you walk up to a place, you get a a cup of coffee, it costs you the same, twice the price of what lunch costs. <laughs> I'm like for what some beans <laughs> you know just like just it drives me crazy but anyways but
4: yeah yeah hey don't right. be jealous because you didn't think of it first man you know yeah that's like with gold man It's a they're, they're, they're drunk pushers according to jahan right here it's it's people like getting their sh- like being scared the shit right. out of themselves every morning at starbucks
0: yeah. it's like a haunted so, house over there let me explain a little okay. bit more so when i was i still i guess still fresh in the game i was meditating a lot because obviously you can't lead someone in a direction that you haven't gone right so i was trying to deal with all of my stuff as fast as i possibly could early on in the game so we're talking about nine years ago and i had to stop eating meat i had to stop drinking coffee and all those things came from my subconscious mind i was spending so much time in a deep fetus state in meditation that my subconscious mind was just sending me things saying you got to stop doing this you got to stop doing that and it was all things that i wondered about it was all like um you gotta stop drinking coffee and it it would just repeat over and over until i decided okay i'm gonna look into that and find out why because the instant you raise something that's bad for you up to your lips Most people can't hear that little quiet voice that's in the background. No, don't do that. But people will raise that donut to their mouth and chomp down a whole 12 pack of donuts. Anyway, people will get an injection to get that donut. (laughs) Exactly. And it's because the TV told them that. But one of the reasons why I have something I see appear to have something against coffee is because it it destroys people's lives in a very covert and seemingly harmless way. And there's all of this rhetoric that's infactual about how it's good for you. There's even articles that say, oh, drink eight cups of coffee a day. It's great for you, you know. But these are the people that are trying to kill you on purpose. They want to keep you mindless slaves. And they just want to make sure that you do everything their way and stay in fear, and be easily controlled, and be in bad health. Because caffeine really affects people. I mean, in that uh, medical medium podcast that Jonah's talking about, he breaks down how the people who pick the coffee are at risk just by picking the coffee. There was one example he gave of a guy that he was picking the coffee, he was in the fields all day picking the coffee, and he jumped in the shower and forgot that he'd been picking the coffee. And he died instantly because what, what happens is when you're exposed to the hot the the hot water, your pores open, and so he'd been picking the caffeine all day, the the coffee berries all day, and all that caffeine was on the surface of his skin, and his pores opened up, absorbed the caffeine, boom, heart attack in the shower, dead. Oh, Never made it. Man, deep. that's crazy. Seriously, right? and so you have certain things like I don't want to call any name brands of coffee or anything, but Anytime you see instant coffee and it says Colombian on it, well, only a small portion of that is Colombian. It's actually a tiny percentage Colombian coffee, pure, uncut, and the rest of it is something called Robusta, which is 200% more caffeinated than Arabica or Colombian combined. And so, Robusta is just another soup cup almost GMO strain of coffee.
4: I know. Right? What country does it it's come from? America? Is it American grown?
0: I can't know they they eat, don't I don't think... The e number it doesn't, it doesn't like, really matter. But. Yeah. That, I'm sure that's just a Google search away for all the Google right, yeah. lawyers up there anyways. So it's like they're cutting these things, these products with more and more strong stuff to keep you hooked and get you extremely wired on it so you can as well be walking around cracked up at this point and caffeine like i was saying earlier is found not just in sodas and things like that it's found in certain brands of ketchup chocolate um damn i can't remember it ran away from me. but it's in a lot of different things it's kind of like high fructose corn syrup in that way where it's embedded in things but it's not regulated so that means it's not required to be on the label so in, in My work, what I realized is that I wasn't getting certain things I needed to be done. I wasn't getting it done in a proper sense, a proper time frame. And it just seemed like I didn't have the mental stamina to do certain things. When I stopped coffee, that changed. And I kind of went, huh. And then I saw that pattern repeat in other clients as well. And I was like, that that makes sense. So I started asking them, how much coffee do you drink? And some of them drank a lot of coffee and others drank caffeinated tea. And it was like, huh. So that's the pattern. Why is that? And as we know, it turns off your brain function, really. So it numbs you to life. And a lot of the people who have anxiety or depression, caffeine is a major factor in that. It's 90% of the patients with depression also consume coffee, according to the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. Um... Is it? It's forty-two percent of anxiety symptoms decrease after reducing caffeine, and when you okay. remove caffeine altogether, anxiety goes away in these people.
4: Yeah, right? I, I I gotta I gotta hear this because I this is actually something you're connecting a lot of dots for me personally because my my story is and and Jonas, my brother's seen this before, but I I'm uh, I don't really talk about this that much. But I'm a veteran, I'm a combat veteran, and I have. You know, some I'm crazy. You know, but it's like I have a lot of anxiety. You know, I have a lot of. I mean, with anxiety comes depression because you're depressed because you're anxious. You know, and I also happen to drink a lot of coffee. And I do notice in the morning when I do drink drink some coffee, I'm like, oh, that's really nice. And then I, after about a about a half an hour, I start feeling a little bit like really kind of tense and very anxious. I thought it was really good at synchronicity uh, that because I went on to your podcast this last week just to see what your latest stuff was on and your last, the, because I was looking into hypnosis and getting an NLP to fight anxiety and PTSD in veterans, specifically for myself, not necessarily for the rest, but if it worked for somebody else, then I can lead them on to it. And your last podcast, the last podcast you asked was one on interviewing um, the gentleman from Denver. By hypnosis, and then you had the other one that was called PTS dreams, and I was like, yeah. "That's so frank- that's so in sync with exactly what I was looking for this week." And so, but now we're talking about coffee that was linked to the podcast. There's a lot of synchronicities going on with this, and so I would, I would like to understand, like, if you have, so if you're saying that if a veteran who ha- anybody who has some kind of trauma, because a lot of people don't understand, like. Uh, Trauma doesn't always have to be a specific event. It could be a prolonged, steady trauma of something going on every day that's not necessarily like this one big burst of like watching somebody's head get cut off. It could be just, okay, I'm in a dangerous zone every day. I can't, I have to sleep with my one eye open every day. That can create trauma. And so, do you think, in your opinion, do you think that um, veterans could potentially, if, they, if you could convince veterans to stop drinking coffee, which I don't know how you're ever going to do that, but if you could convince us to stop drinking coffee, do you think that would help with like PTSD symptoms, anxiety,
0: depression, all those other things? Let me tell you something. Uh, you were correct when you said anxiety and depression roll together. They're friends. You they, they don't get one without the other. They're highly dependent on each other. But what, they, what that means, though, is that emotions are not illnesses. Now, the first person that told me that my very first trainer in CBT did 20 years in the military. And I so basically, I was trained by someone who was in the military for two decades. Oh, cool. And he left, and he described this phenomenon to me that the majority, because what he actually did when he got out of the military was he went, he studied psychology, he got, you know, all the, the papers to go with it, all the bells and whistles, and he started training other people in how to deal with high-risk patients. And he did a lot of work with PTSD, people who were in the military, who were discharged, or maybe their, their time was over, they just left, they didn't know what to do with themselves. So the definition of a crisis Is when you're in a transition phase from one point to another you don't know who you are or what to do now the reason why a lot of people get ptsd when they leave the military is because of exactly that right they're in that crisis and they want to integrate back into society and they don't know what to do so when they go to like a regular job raising a family they've been in all these complex situations their limbic system still thinks they're in the military they're in high-risk situations, and they have not yet learned how to down-regulate, right? So downregulation is that same process of learning to breathe and stabilizing yourself so that you can assess the events that are actually happening, because there's a general rule in cognitive psychology that says that A plus B equals C. A is the activating event, whatever happened. C is the consequence, but in the middle, B is the beliefs you have about them. And so it's easy, as you know, in the military to have beliefs about certain things. But we, then we do the square peg and a round hole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the coffee thing causes all of the subconscious information to bubble up very quickly because it's unprocessed. And because the mind is asking you that question, is it okay to keep this? And you've never said no. It's going this and this and this and this. And this and this, yeah. and so PTSD you can have the same response as watching your buddy get his leg blown off as a cat jumping on your lap. Yeah, yeah, the mind is so you're to- saying this is
4: like this is just really, I mean, this is this is why we're a true the podcast because, like, sometimes you don't think about something as simple as coffee as potentially being a form of brainwashing that can bring down entire societies. Like I think about my, like all the veterans I know, like that we pound coffee, you know, if you're not drinking booze, you're pounding coffee. Right, You're doing one of those two things. That's a big part of coffee
0: culture.
2: Uh, I can yeah, I can attest. I mean, yeah, I can attest to that when it comes to the whole, uh, you know, pounding coffee is, uh, it's one of those, it's one of those things that I I didn't start drinking coffee until I was, you know, I would say mid to late 20s, to be honest with you. I drink coffee all the time, all the time, didn't, but I wasn't one of these guys, these young people that started drinking it when they were 16. I mean, they got kids nowadays drinking it like when they're 12 because everybody's freaking drinking coffee now, every you know, all the time, but, uh, but I
4: yeah, it didn't used to be like that. When we were kids, like, yeah. coffee was coffee for adults adult only. So,
2: now it's like, you know, everybody, everybody's drinking coffee and, and it's just, it's just something you do. But I know for myself, it was, it was, a because you, we brought up the whole drinking thing and I, I'll i just get into something slightly more personal, but uh, for myself, uh, coffee was like the substitute for alcohol, and I was I I was and I emphasized the word was an alcoholic, and I w- I was mad crazy about drinking alcohol, and so coffee for me is almost like the antithesis of alcohol because alcohol is a major downer, and I I like the downers it 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 shut me down. I loved it. I loved the being able to shut my brain down because I I think a lot, and. When I was able to shut my brain down, it was like I can finally relax a little bit. But it, it got to the point where I couldn't just relax. I had to blank out. I had to check out. That's what it had to end up com- coming to. And even when, uh, and when I say I emphasize that I was an alcoholic, I could not stand because I did. I actually did. I did go to AA meetings and things like that. And it wasn't until a certain part where I was. And this is where we're kind of doing that whole mind control thing where it was actually, I was, you know, still trying to go along to get along. And I'd go into these AA meetings and it finally, while I was trying to go along and get along, eventually they were going around the room and it was just like this, this jolt of honesty hit me one time. And everybody's talking about how much they love AA and stuff like that. And I told, tell, tell them, I'm be honest with y'all. I hate coming here, hate it. I don't like any of you. And I hate the, f- and I hate, the f- <laughs> yeah. And I hate the good? fact that you all call yourselves alcoholics for 30 years. I think it's nonsense. And I think the only reason why I stopped drinking was because I had the, the, the gajones to show up here in the first place. So it wasn't like me coming to AA made me stop. It was, I knew I had to stop so bad I showed up here. <laughs> that's how that's what it was. But and it was one that's of these awesome. things where it was that you're talking about that little the silent voice and we, and that's what's so frustrating about coffee, kind of like what you're talking about. Coffee is one of those things where it's socially acceptable to be crazy addicted to coffee. Everybody's like, you can go up to anybody and be like, I have to have coffee. And be like, well, good on you, man. So do I. You know, And y'all just go have some coffee together. Y'all constantly drink coffee. With alcohol, it's like you can't just say, like, I gots to have my vodka now. And anybody look at you like you're serious. For me, drinking was so... That inner voice was so strong. Let me tell you, this is one of those crazy things I don't know if any alcoholics ever tried. But let me tell you, not only did it not work, but it was so clever, I can't believe it didn't. (laughs) Because I actually programmed my phone to, on the hour, every hour, repeat in a text-to-speech voice (laughs) notification that came through into my ear and said don't drink because you love your wife and children every hour on the hour (laughs) it came into my ear and i can't tell you how many times i was drinking while that said that in my ear how fucked up is that (laughs) that's what's so crazy and the thing is, is like when you're talking about coffee i think that's harder for some people to stop shipped simply because it is so so socially acceptable. So I understand addiction and I have a coffee addiction. I'll admit that straight off the bat. but at least I can go to work and that's the, that's the only problem I have with with co- with the coffee part is because while you can get while it makes you shit your pants and you're, you're in fight or flight, it's easier to be addicted to it because it's so acceptable. And at least you can get through the day without, you know, getting fired or killing somebody, killing somebody else, I should say. So sorry about that rant. <laughs> You're just talking all this stuff. And it was kind of, it was just, I was thinking about a lot. It was just, uh, uh, I was just tying that all together and with my life. So to be honest with you, I, I'm just being honest as far as me being able to stop coffee, I know I should, but because I know at the current moment I'm in right now, it is that one, I'll admit, crutch that keeps me, one of the additional crutches that keeps me off of drinking. Booze. <laughs> you'd...
4: Well, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather you scared shit in your pants than drinking for alcohol, so we're good with that. Yeah.
2: But, uh, but go on I mean I I didn't want to cut you off there Jahan because a lot of what you're telling us is great stuff and I I I'm in agreement with you I just wanted to let you know that it's 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 one of those things that's hard not to mention it's delicious I forget it, it, it tastes great so but anyways go on more with what you were talking
4: to- so what what okay so yeah continue to talk about because I'm like I'm am curious also about like with uh because I, I did bring up about how with people with anxiety depression and all these other things it's like this goes ties back into the brainwashing that we live in cult in our culture where we feel like we can't handle the stresses of modern day life is this that whole thing where we talk about like modern day everybody feels like we're in a jungle but we're really not everybody's pretty safe You know, and so people will drink coffee. They they do it. They have all these little stimulants that help them to get through their day, if you will. And so I'm just um, trying to I because so as a mindfulness coach, are you able to are you how successful have you been able to get people not only to deal with their with their issues, but also to get off things that might trigger those same issues, such as caffeine, alcohol,
0: any kind of Stimulant. You know, I feel like I got a lot to say because people tend to think, oh, you're a self-sabotage coach. You think that because you've studied all these different things that you know everything and that you don't need, you don't know what I'm going through. That's a lot of th- the stuff that people say to me. And It's like I drank coffee. I drank coffee for nine years. I smoked cigarettes for nine years. I drank alcohol from the time I was 17 years old until I was 27. I was a bad alcoholic, but the, the reason why I started drinking alcohol is because my father was an alcoholic, and he would call me up, I remember being 9 years old, and we had this iron phone table thing and it was it had like one seat and a big armrest on one side and then like on the other side he had like a phone book and his phone on top of that and it was Sorry. real comfortable and I'd sit there and he'd call me at
3: the,
0: around five thirty in the evening and all he would do is tell me things like you're never going to be anything you think that you're smarter than me you know you, you're just you're never going to amount to be anything you think that you're, you're good at this thing. And that went on until I was about 14 years old. And I wanted to be a musician. So when I started getting really good at it, and started teaching at 14 years old other kids how to play. He would call me and then he would say, oh, you think you're better than me because you can play music? You're never going to succeed at music. You know, whatever it is I was doing, he had to tear that down. And that became a part of me. That programming became a part of me. I am not good at And I spent the majority of my teenage years being very angry. And wanting to self-sabotage. And I couldn't figure out why every time I got into a relationship, I messed things up. I couldn't figure out why every time I got any money from... My endeavors, I'd mess things up, couldn't figure out why couldn't keep a job. I was messing everything up. So here where I grew up, it's very common, it was very common back in those days, that you could just go into any store or gas station and buy alcohol. No proof of identification or anything whatsoever. And so that was a bad thing for us kids. we started drinking, all all of us as friends, we started drinking at 17, going out to parties. Four nights in a week, we'd be smashed on summer vacation. And some of us would drink even when we were in school. And because I was a musician, and because I was good at what I did, because I had to drive, I would practice for nine hours a day. And not really have that much of a life, so it consists of watching movies, play, practicing music, and maybe sometimes I go to school. <laughs> you know, maybe sometimes I would uh, go out with friends. And when I was with friends, I drink. So it started there for me. By the time I was nineteen, I just about had enough of being complete fuck up in all of everything that I did because. I didn't realize that at the time, I was just picking up mindsets from what my father was telling me. And picking up his behavior as alcohol. And I always felt like nobody appreciated anything that I did, so I felt unloved. And with that came the drugs. I remember I was at some kind of a rally one night, meaning car racing one night, and everybody was smashed. And one of my friends announces, who wants to do some Charlie? And I was like, who's that? and you know from then <laughs> then i got into cocaine You're I did, like, Who's that? I'm like i don't want to do anybody named charlie yeah but i didn't i don't oh, get yeah. addicted to <laughs> cocaine per se i realized if i do cocaine i can drink more alcohol and so i spent a significant portion of my life after that being addicted to cocaine and alcohol
3: mm-hmm. and
0: in between that it was pretty much any other drugs I could get my hands on, whether it was weed or ecstasy or whatever. So I and I had an image to, to kind of hold to as well. You know, I was the, the rock star. I had long hair all down my back, uh, piercings in every hole, nothing but black clothes. I was so goth I could bite the head off of bats and all that kind of stuff. And... You know, the ladies like that too, so that didn't really help. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> really, really helped. Good, really. Yeah. So I understand what it's like to get off of drugs on my own. I understand what it's like to get off of alcohol on my own. Actually, I tried to kill myself three times with the maximum amount of drugs and alcohol that I could find. And it just, I just kept coming back. And what actually happened to me, and a lot of people think this is hilarious, and I can laugh at it too. But what I actually ended up saying out loud was, Jesus Christ, I can't even kill myself right And when I heard those words come out of my mouth, it hit. And then I had a big emotional reaction. I just started following That was by myself. And I remember the only reason I, I think I came back from that is because my dog jumped on me and was like, you gotta, you gotta get up, man. Like, been saying over the dog was, was crashing my face and i came out of it and um he's like man well that didn't work so i realized that something had to change like it wasn't anybody else's fault it wasn't even my dad's fault for anything it was just me that had to take responsibility and that changed everything for me in that instant and i love to say this phrase over and over my desire to change was greater than my desire to stay the same. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And I realized that nothing was going to stop me from doing things that I wanted to do in the right way. So that's kind of how I got from there to here. That that was a long time ago. That was was even before I was into coaching or anything like that. So the reason why we hire a coach is for accountability. Yes, a coach needs to be highly skilled in psychology and hypnotherapy and all the different things that that are necessary because they're tools to hack a person's mind and get them to take the action steps they know they need to take for themselves. And, but I'm also supposed to be like a buddy. I'm supposed to talk to you about things that are going on and help you to make sense of the things that are coming up from your subconscious that you can't get a grip on yourself that would ordinarily overpower you and kind of help you see that this is how you think about things. This is how you emotionally reason about things. This is how you apply what I like to call a self-justification index, which is like a Rolodex of all the shitty little reasons why you do the things that you do. And because it's clever, it slips right past you because it seems like you're thinking when what you're really doing is playing out the associated thoughts that go with programs. So I've had to do everything that I did, break uh, cocaine, alcohol, coffee, cigarettes, all those things. I did that all on my own because when I was reaching out for help, nobody wanted to help me. They would say, oh, you're just a fucking addict or you're just making excuses or you don't really want to stop. Or they just didn't want to talk to me at all. People would avoid me. Friends and family members alike. So I really came to learn who was in my circle. And I realized I was the only person that was going to do anything for me. So I vowed through that process that I would be the person that would stand for other people who couldn't yet stand for themselves, right? So with that, self-sabotage is just subconscious programs. And what happens to us in the case of addiction is that we don't feel safe We don't feel like we're enough. And those top two programs that people come to me with, I'm not good enough somehow. I don't feel safe somehow. I don't understand what it feels like to live my life as a fully supported, fully guided person by a higher power. I don't feel supported by my friends. I don't feel supported by my family. All of these are programs. So you can jump around in the mirror as many times as you want or recite affirmations. But the subconscious mind is always going to follow up every positive affirmation with no. Because that's the information that's in there. I'm not good enough. So the subconscious mind actually kind of talks like Yoda. It's like, I'm good enough, no. And you have to come to somebody that can break that. People associate activities like drinking alcohol or drinking coffee with pleasure and defeating pain and they don't want to feel that tough moment but what I have to teach people to do is how to sit with those tougher moments and how to actually challenge those negative automatic thoughts that's a cognitive psychology term N.A.T.S. Nats, negative automatic thoughts because there's not a single person whether you are Aaron Beck the founder of CBT Or the fucking Dalai Lama, not a single person knows where negative automatic thoughts come from. It's just an automatic stream of consciousness that plays out based on information that we already have. So what we would do is we would have to reverse engineer the way that you think about life in any given situation to figure out what the programs are. And so the subconscious mind knows everything about you and everything about the world at large. And one of the ways that I love to do it in tandem with inducing a hypnotic state later on is to find out what a person is experiencing and have them talk about things. And so my special gift is actually to hear the things that people are saying when they think they're telling a, you know, a good excuse for, or a good reason why they're doing this thing. Because everybody's got all of these complex, all these complex scenarios and reasons why they do these things. But I actually hear the pain in those statements. That's where the NLP comes in, the neuro-linguistics of it. Because everything that we do, everything that we think is encapsulated in a prison of words.
2: You say a prison of words? prison of words
0: it's a linguistic
2: prison well i'm kind of curious to what your thoughts are when it comes to the english language and how much it's completely set up to constantly bombard us with those negative thoughts i mean i'm sure you've heard these things before where people talk about the english language is almost constantly set up to bombard us with negative uh Uh, negative thoughts, uh, whether anything like, you know, you say words like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Well, now you've just declared you can't wait for you for your your the ending of weakness. (laughs) You know,
0: you can't wait to be be weekend.
2: Yeah. Weekend or good morning. It's like when you say good morning, you're basically congratulating somebody for for morning death you know it's like everything yeah yeah, that's
0: all that's all great that's all fear and good and and there's word magic and those type things i can acknowledge that and say that yes that's true but that really has nothing to do with it because i have people who don't speak english that come to me too yeah (laughs) i guess that that is
2: that is that is absolutely true and yeah when it comes to when it comes to words and negativity it's it does seem like those negative those random what do you how do you put it the random negative thoughts where it seems like that happens all the time, every single day for the stupidest things. I mean, things that, it doesn't even matter what it is. You're just like, I'm not good enough to, I'm not good enough to sweep the floor in this place. I mean, it could be anything. It's just like, it's incredible how many times we're constantly telling ourselves we're not capable of it. And yet you can have, you could listen to all kinds of people trying to inspire you to be like, Human beings have absolutely no idea how powerful they are, and you're just like, "Yeah, I know, I'm infinitely powerful." And then, then in the very next sentence, in the very next sentence in your mind, it's like, oh, "I'm not good enough for this." <laughs> you know, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, fuck that shit.
2: Like, fuck um, the
0: whole. Um, you were meant to rule and reign. And all
2: yeah, and that, that I I can't stand that. That that stuff is like.
0: No, yeah. so that's just another form of programming. You probably, if you listen to my podcast episode on cults, mind control, brainwashing, I explain how. I,
2: if you don't mind, people I'd people actually like stress. to put that. I'd actually like to put a link to that on our website uh, because I thought it was really profound. All the stuff you were mentioning in there, but continue. I just wanted to see if. Yeah, yeah,
0: go for it. I mean, everything that we do, like the, this whole damn thing about being alive is about noticing where we are in prison and taking those shackles off. And then we move to the next level. We find something else that's keeping us shackled. We undo that. We move on. It's about disabling and disarming the lies. And the reason why people are in so much pain is because they're probably living a life that's built and based on some information that's false. Right? Right. It's laughable in the I don't want coffee skit. Um, with the, <laughs> you know, the fucking national anthem, because that's the major programming mechanism of groups of people. A nation is just a group of people that have been corralled into one culture, right? basically. And so one of the most profound things I heard early on in my journey when I was studying the work of different psychologists is Alfred Krzybski's theory, The Psychology of Nationalism how people are trained to do certain things on a a reinforcement versus negative behavior system and a lot of it starts when we're very young they make us basically drill the national anthem of our country into our heads and we associate our sense of self with Mm that. and you said something at the beginning of this podcast that was hilarious to me because you were talking about how americans are arrogant they think that we're not in Nazi Germany or anything like that. But if you go look, there is a very old video of, I can't remember who the speaker is, but it's like a big um, picture of George Washington in the background with the swastikas and everything. And it's a guy with a German accent talking, and they're reciting one of the very first iterations of the national anthem. So it's not one nation under God, it's one nation indivisible.
4: Really? And it stopped.
0: Yeah. And it's all a bunch, you know, and they're all like, oh, Heil, you know,
4: so. And uh, it's a photo that a lot of people don't. um, But if you show it to people, they they kind of gasp. But it's a bunch of American kids uh, doing the, you know, the Heil Hitler kind of like arm raise salute. But it's to the American flag. And this is in a American classroom. Like people know that that we actually did used to do that same salute. In children's schools way back in the day, but ever since after it, we got rid of it because it was bad marketing, I guess. Yeah. But they
0: did they they all did it and it's just something that you know, they do things. We see it right now with like the, the vaccines or whatever. They do something and they slowly tiptoe backwards from it and they bring in something else. And it's almost like you try to erase it from your memory by putting as much stuff in your brains as possible to make you forget that that thing actually happened. And that's a big part of the waking hypnosis because like I was explaining, the subconscious mind needs to transition through different brainwave states. It needs to transition to alpha so that the brain can process and repair all of the things that happen throughout the day. And so the brain, the, the subconscious mind is doing a lot of the work for you because it's a lot of stuff if if you had to consciously process 10 trillion bits of information you'd be having a series of remaining strokes all day long you'd just be walking around with your eyes back in your head like you would never get anything done and so we're transitioning throughout the day at least seven times into alpha brainwave state so apart from that anything can induce hypnosis let's say you're at work and you miss your wife can't wait to get home she calls you up you guys start talking on your lunch break you start talking about things you're gonna do later and you build expectation around what's gonna happen later expectation is a form of waking hypnosis right so the only time you're not hypnotized is when you're actually asleep you're going through so many different forms Of hypnosis and transitioning through brainwave states by nature that it's a dangerous world to live in because so many different things can happen to you don't even talk about listening to music where there's uh, isomorphic and interspersal metaphors which are two types of commands that are put in the lyrics of music on purpose to preach certain um, subconscious programs into you to to get the I mean I'm not enough and I'm not safe and if I don't do this behavior, I won't be accepted, and um, I'm not a good person. And if I do this, or you know, somebody left me, and so that's the reason why this thing, like all of that stuff, is in the music covertly. And you know, we we like to think we enjoy that, but what we're really doing is repetitively programming ourselves with ideas that don't belong to us. We play that out. And to address on another thing that you said earlier. In the movies, within 15 minutes to 30 minutes of watching your favorite TV show or movie, you will be exposed to repetitive content, and that's coffee or tea or alcohol. Who do you think sponsors the movies, right? So they've got to have their stuff in there. And so it's like how I have these fish tanks in the background. Well, you don't know what else I have behind there that says, you know, quack like a duck later on you might start dragging your (laughs) ass on the floor later and be like I don't know why this is happening I just feel like I need to scratch my asshole Uh, and you know I I could do that if I wanted to be a nasty person but that's how it works in the movies Uh, right you're zipping down the highway all these billboards are just fluttering past that's repetitive content programming you because the subconscious mind is a scanning device and it's looking for whatever in the environment is on the peak so Okay. Hey, man. Can, I a, can
4: I ask? You I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Like, um, just so that because I know I I don't like questions that kind of leave that are kind of open, like statements. Like, okay, so no coffee, no tea. What can people drink?
3: <laughs> like, like,
4: it's kind of like that. If I listen to this podcast and no one answered that question, I would be livid i be like, okay, so I can't have coffee and a can of tea. One of I drinks Water? That's a fun life. Can you drink you know? decaf?
3: Can You what's drink,
0: can you drink can of tea. You know, decaf is a scam because again, it's still the coffee barrier. Oh, so you, me. Be- you oh. drink decaf. Come on, man. But but what what is the desired effect that you want? Let's think critically about this. What is the desired effect that you want delicious. to get? I don't
4: necessarily want, I, I truly love the taste of coffee. If you That's, gave me something that was like truly just like this is better than water and it tasted exactly like coffee, I'd be like, I'm cool with that.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't think that there's a, a a good answer for anybody that wants to have their good answer met for that one. You, well, I, you, I, you just kind of have to drink some uncaffeinated tea or something and.
4: You know, so chamomile tea on the table. We can drink chamomile tea. I, I, actually, I actually have a suggestion. I actually have a
2: suggestion for that one. It's funny because my wife's actually the one who discovered it. And uh, the only problem is, is that it's kind of expensive. But it's actually the stuff they make out of mushrooms.
0: Was it mushroom coffee? Oh no! Don't come with that garbage. That is nonsense.
3: Oh come on! What? It's still, go. uh, it's That'd still affecting.
0: Done. Yeah, it's still affecting your physiology in the same way. So. Let me break it down for the listeners again one time. Anything you put in your body that is a foreign agent that's going to act like a stimulant in any way is going to trigger that limbic system, which is going to throw you into a cocktail of 1400 plus emotions. You can't do anything with. Anything
4: that I in my mouth is a, is a, is cause I eat a hamburger, that's going to feel, feel pretty freaking good, you know? Like, well, how you know, is that different? I can't is that get
0: between people I and I their meat. You know? Personally, I don't eat meat because I get violently ill when I eat it. Okay, let's but, say uh, an apple.
4: Apple, uh, An apple is delicious.
3: Isn't that? Apple is gonna, yeah, the but how is that? What if
4: an apple is going to put me in the same state as drinking a cup of coffee would? An apple is that?
0: not going to put you into fight or flight. An apple is going to make you feel real good inside, unless <laughs> it's been sprayed with something or it's one of those apples that's been painted red when it's really just a white apple. But what's wrong with mushroom coffee? That's what I'm asking. The only reason I'm saying that is because the only reason
2: I'm asking that is because I wasn't in any kind of, honestly, I wasn't in any kind of awareness that mushroom coffee was supposed to stimulate in any way whatsoever. I just thought it was supposed to taste as much like coffee without being coffee.
0: Yeah, that's what they say. But, you know, what's in the mushrooms? What's the additional ingredients in the actual thing of itself? Is it just mushroom? You, that, these are things you have to take into... Beats me. Because <laughs> That's anything, what I thought it was. Yeah, anything that, isn't, anything that isn't found in the body, any additional chemicals, it's going to trigger fight or flight. It's going to mess with your limbic system. I don't recommend doing coffee replacements because a lot of that stuff still has a stimulant-like effect. It may even have a somewhat... I guess I wouldn't use psychoactive, but psychological effect on you where it does change your state of consciousness. Right. And you have to wonder how good is any of that for you anyway, because I don't want to say like, like this, but, you know, I am a truth teller is a certain effect. So I will say that lay it out. A lot of this stuff just kind of seems like people who don't want to let go and they come up with all this crazy shit like, oh, Coffee's bad. Let's drink mushroom (laughs) coffee. Let's drink dirt water. So just drink a fucking (laughs) glass of water. (laughs) Let your nuts descend for once in your life and move on with your life. Because what happens to all of my clients when they stop drinking coffee is that they realize after a couple of weeks, they have more energy to do everything they need in their lives. And they love it. They don't need anything to feel any kind of way. They don't need anything to taste any kind of way. It reminds
3: so I, it, I'm going to
4: take up on this two week after, after I finished the coffee I paid for, because I didn't pay for it. Nothing's going to waste. I'm going to take you up on the two week, no coffee challenge and see if you're correct. Cause I've done well, this before. I will take you up on that. Well, it,
2: it, it actually reminds me because somebody I remember a long time ago in Colorado, they, they said something really profound. That was, it's, it, it's been pointed out a lot, but at the time I'd never heard of it before, but it's the same concept of all these vegans making all of their stuff taste like meat <laughs> it's like... you know what let's get into that <laughs> it's like, that's let's, let's
0: get hilarious. into that let's get into that man because if you look at the word diet right we were talking about word magic earlier what are the first yeah, three yeah. letters in, in the word diet? Diet. Yeah, yeah. diet and so you have all of these people saying hey you should eat this because it's good for you you should eat this because it's good for you and what's it called vegan diet carnivore diet All of those things are very bad for you because there's such a thing as biochemical individuality. Unfortunately, we have been bred into meat eating as a form of blood sacrifice and bloodlust. It wasn't just about the story about how, oh, we didn't have enough to eat. We had to go kill a rabbit or or whatever. It wasn't just that. It's another part of the programming. So unfortunately, our DNA has adapted to Accommodate that. So, there are certain people who absolutely have to eat some amount of meat in order to have a good, healthy response in their body. And that's funny. So, telling people to go all the way over to vegan is ridiculous because, how would you notice? I saw the other night fucking vegan bacon. And you know what they made it from? Carrot. (laughs) Carrot is not bacon. Not in a million years. (laughs) Carrot is not bacon. Smoked ham made from watermelon. What? <laughs> watermelon is not pig. You know? So it, it's 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 something the... deeply psychological that right. indicates to a... you that these people are attempting to identify with a label because they like the lifestyle and the programming that goes around it.
3: Right? right yeah. Now I don't what... eat
0: any meat because I get violently ill when I eat meat. I stopped eating meat. I ate meat my entire life. And then I looked into it and I realized that the reason why we're told to eat eggs for breakfast and meat three times a day and, and everything's meat, meat, meat is because, again, like coffee, the dairy and meat industry is extremely highly lobbied for it. And so what they've done is they've basically paid for the results that they want so that they can sell you cheese and milk and hamburgers. Right. And the, the thing about the meat is that Dead cells cannot give you fresh cells. Now, how I got into that theory in the first place was a sound theory,
3: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. A very beautiful woman who's now di- dead, she did, she died early this year. Ripped my first coach, when she was a personal trainer, ripped all of her roommates and everything were bodybuilders getting awards and everything like that I was in good hands and she told me that it's not the meat and the protein in the meat that makes the biggest difference it's the vegetable matter so you should eat a very small amount of meat on your plate and the rest of your plate is vegetable matter because when you eat those that vegetable matter your body absorbs it in a very specific way that it expands the size of your muscles The muscles absorb the water and the nutrients from the vegetables. And that's what, along with the pump that you get from working out, gives you big, big, full, defined muscles. Uh She said, I have people who are carnivores and they're miserable. You know, so she was like, you've got to figure out what combinations of foods work individually for you. What are you allergic to? Go get a blood test or something and find out, are you allergic to anything in particular? How does that make you feel? substitute certain things. Are you allergic to peanuts? Are you allergic to fish? Do certain foods make you produce mucus? Because if it's producing mucus in your body, you don't want that. And so that's when I went on the rabbit hole of diet and nutrition. And I realized there's only such a thing as biochemical individuality. How should I eat from my blood type and my DNA makeup? What's going to fire off in me a program of stress and ill health? What's going to give me inflammation, mucus, all the things that are really bad for my body, right? So every person really just needs to have the courage, which they don't, to be truthful. They, they need to have the courage to go on an adventure with their bodies and their minds and determine what works for them as an individual of what doesn't. But most people, they want to do what the herd's doing. So they're going to go over to the vegans that eat nothing but chickpeas and cucumbers and wonder why the fucking brainwashing. back to the brainwashing thing. Right? thing. Everybody's exactly. brainwashing. Exactly. And the along with being in a, a waking hypnosis all the time, <clears throat> when someone sees a perceived authority, an expert, a health expert, a doctor, some idiot, you know, fucking Andrew Weil or whoever comes on the the TV and they say, "Oh, I just released a new book about this diet. It's really great." Now we're into the keto diet and all kinds of shit like that, and you have a bunch of unhappy, unhealthy people. And that equals disempowerment. So people need to learn to think for themselves at every corner. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it, it takes dedication. It takes the willingness to do so, you know? And it's one thing at a time. Because all or nothing thinking will defeat you faster than anything else. If you get I get clients to try to do this all the time, they just woke up. And they want to get rid of everything all at once. And then two, three weeks later, they're failing miserably. And it's like, hold on. You can't do everything all at once. All or nothing thinking is a detrimental cognitive distortion. What's a cognitive distortion? A filter, a mental filter that we pass information through. And so we try to fit things into a box of this way of thinking. Uh, Catastrophizing is another example of it where we think that certain things are going to be bad. And so what we're actually doing is we're expecting more of the same outcome that we had in the past in the future scenario, which is exactly what anxiety is, right? So when you when you put something in your body that's poisonous, you may get anxiety because the limbic system is fired off, we have all of these brain damaging weapons (laughs) that are used against us. You know they treat us like the slave class and they ply us with all these things you know pizza is so fucking good but the problem with pizza is the cheese and the flour because if it's wheat flour uh, the majority of wheat is gmo now right and so when you ingest anything that's genetically modified your body knows that doesn't belong in it the limbic systems triggered you're going to ill health you're under stress on a subconscious level because the subconscious is in the body then you're pretty much fine, you know? So besides big pharma, alcohol, caffeine, vaccines, we're also struggling with fluoride in so many different things. Chemtrails are out there now. It's like 93%, according to Dane Wigington, I think, 93% of people exposed to chemtrails will develop some kind of lung issue. Um, you got EMF radiation from all this wireless garbage 5g all this shit. um processed junk foods everything's got some element of something that's processed and i mean if you like potato chips your days are over with that because you gotta get up the potato chips because all you really need in potato chips is two fucking ingredients potato and chip but why is that so hard for people to see you know you look at the back of a, a lay's package or whatever pringles and it's 15 fucking ingredients
2: yeah that actually (laughs) it reminds this uh i remember a long time ago i had this friend and he picks up it's like sitting on the table and it's a box of these instant mashed potatoes and it's (laughs) and he's like why? Tell me why I shouldn't be furious that it says this, and it said made with one hundred percent potatoes. <laughs> he was like, "Tell me why this shouldn't piss you off that it has to say that instant mashed <laughs> poison."
0: And you see, yeah, they right. can they can put that on there by law because they're not they're not required to actually put their poison in this. Right. And oh, wow. it, in some ways, it's true because they have to add a bunch of chemicals to the potatoes that they've cooked, and they make the flakes that they add to it. So right. technically, it's 100% real yeah. potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like made with somewhere 100% in there. juice. Oh,
2: I
4: know.
0: Made
2: with, made with. It's the with. It's made yeah. with 100% of and, uh, something.
4: And while we're on that topic, yeah, topic and add the everything else that was in there as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, while we're on that topic, everybody that listens to this show needs to read a book by Martin Lindstrom called um biology and then there's another one called brain brand washing sorry so in brand washing he tells you how marketers get you to buy certain things how they tap into your subconscious and all the the psychology to get you to buy things and in biology it's basically Uh the science of how they get you to buy stuff and it's it's incredible the stuff that they go the links they go to, to and, and I think it's I
2: think it's important to note I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that there's an element of this in me so I can only admit to it myself a little bit where I think it's also very important to note and I think I think on some level you you probably agree with me as well, but all of these things that we put in our body that makes us unhealthy and makes us feel like crap and all these kind of things ultimately this isn't and it's one of those things that within within the uh the the community of people that are trying to find whatever the hell it is that we live in in this in this realm whatever it is when it comes to us talking about things that we put on our body to make us healthier ultimately this isn't about how well your body functions i think that's probably the lowest level of the totem pole when it comes to how important this stuff is ultimately this becomes this is more about where your mind will be eventually because if we're constantly listening to podcasts reading books trying to find things out even doing our own experimentation on trying to elevate ourselves mentally and spiritually we're only going to get so far if we're neglecting the body that it's attached to and I think ultimately if people get past, cause I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of times I don't give two craps about my health. I just don't, I'd rather have that piece of pizza or that cup of, or that cup of coffee because I like it now. And I don't really care about my body because any number of reasons, lots of, there's tons of people, especially in America. It's like either they get to a point to where it doesn't matter anymore or What they consume is more important than how well their body functions. So if we can get past the idea of like we're not trying to... Jahan specifically is not talking about this stuff so that your bowel movements work better. Or that your gut is smaller. This is so you can become a more developed spiritual mental being... Am, am I right in
0: saying that? Yeah, it's it's all about empowerment. You know, if you feel like crap and your body isn't doing well, you, you're weak. You're the weakest in the pack and you're the easiest to attack, you know. And everybody has family that they care about. So everybody, you would think, should want to be empowered so that they can be there at their best for the ones they care about. But a lot of people will still know that. And because on a subconscious level, they just don't feel like it's worth the effort because they're not good enough or whatever the case is, then they're not going to do what's necessary, you know? They're going to stay in that coma, this coma of idealization and thinking that, oh, it's all right, you know, the government's got this and, you know, I'm making a good penny at my work and, you know, I'll survive, you know. I just want to have 2.4 kids and move into a white picket fence with my wife and, you know, we'll bring we'll bring in just enough income and we'll be all right you know and uh, we'll save enough to retire and we'll live a good life you know a comfortable life but it, it never really works out that way. That is a lie that kind of comes with so much pain that when people realize that they're constantly hitting a ceiling they don't they either don't know what to do about it or they they kind of decide okay I've going to take responsibility for some other aspects of life you know. So we I'm have to get our minds right, right. nobody's asking really you to be weird. to you know be i didn't even hear what you said because it was uh, like, just the, stuff. It
4: just, like basically what you're describing just sounds like that's the boomer dream i think our uh, our generation is more like we need to get out of that not
0: so like the whole like oh i just want to go
4: vacation i want to do all
0: those other things like we don't care about that that's that's dumb it's boring yeah and you know the thing is that in, in our generation it's like oh i just want to travel the world and do all kinds of things like that if you don't like yourself where you are right now, you're not going to like yourself in Tahiti. <laughs> so it's all it all comes back to a mental aspect and cultivating your spirituality. And, you know, nobody's asking you to have abs like the liver king. We know he's a fraud anyway. But nobody's asking you to do that, you know? What anybody's yeah. asking you to do is to be the best that you can be so that even if you don't do anything Particularly beyond average, you're the best fucking average person there is out there. You're <laughs> an upstanding citizen. You know, you're an upstanding citizen, and that's my not. mantra. I'm the best average person out there. That's Absolutely, my- <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's a like, great. Most people are trying to. Most people are trying to live their best life in the name of living their worst life. Mm. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: man, I think that's a that's a great place to segue out of here because I just want to be the best damn average person. <laughs> <in my eyes>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, well, I just real real quick, I just want to end with a really quick anecdote that I actually meant to bring up right right before we started um, in the audio drama portion of this when he's like getting rid of his phone. I thought it was really funny that I was in the middle of like editing this, this, uh, this audio drama portion, and I do some of the editing on my phone. And while I was at work, my phone dropped and shattered the screen, but the phone still functioned. And the only thing that was playing currently on my earpiece was your podcast. And it was the only thing I could listen to all day long. What? <laughs> uh, that's trippy, man. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything on the phone, but I could press play and pause on my earpiece. And the only thing it played was your podcast, which I thought was just perfectly fitting. So I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, that's that's, that's perfect. That's, that's very, perfect. <laughs> that's very
4: that, that, beats your, that beats my synchronicity times 10. That's, that's crazy, man.
2: Yeah, so oh, there's actually a few people you were talking to. Perfect. I don't, I don't remember who they are because I couldn't get back on the phone to even see what episode I was listening <laughs> to. But there was one guy I specifically wanted to get a hold of because he was in that. He talked about acting and stuff like that. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, glad right I talked the, about uh, acting. I,
0: uh, yeah, the one. Uh, that's my. It's my friend Cameron Duckett. He's okay. Yeah, I did. A, yeah. I did a well, song I with my a musician. A, I did a song with him a couple of years ago. So that's what we were talking oh, about cool. in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I thought maybe he might be interested in doing some work with us because we know we do the Guess audio. You got to pay him thing, big so. bucks,
3: man.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Well, maybe he's in it for the cause. I don't know. <laughs> Find out. <enough. laughs> <Fine enough. laughs> but anyway. But yeah, no. But Jahan, I, the, this has been great. I really, really appreciate being out of here. I really appreciate you being a part of the, especially the, the dramatized portion. You know, it's hard for people to get, in, get, uh, get into wanting to do that kind of thing. So that was really fun. It was great to do. And uh, uh, let people know where they can find you. Uh, All all his links and stuff is going to be on our website. So we're going to be having various other things. So you'll be able to find all that stuff on there. But just for the listeners who never will ever go to our website,
0: tell us where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me at jahansator.com. That's J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. Or you can email me directly at jehantwsator at gmail.com. So I'm going to assume everybody knows how to spell Gmail, and I'm just going to spell that again. J-E-H-A-N-T-W-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. You can also follow at jehantwsator on Instagram, and you can uh, check out my podcast, anchor.fm slash Authenticity on Spotify, Apple, and I think it's on Amazon as well. Yeah,
2: which I think boundless authenticity is the smart way of saying keeping it real. Right. <laughs> Basically, uh, what Bala- <laughs> it's it's endlessly authentic, which is like just keeping it real, real. In, in smart talk. So, but yeah, Jahan, thank you so much for being on. This has been great. Um, I can't wait for this thing to post. We'll
4: be having it on there. And, yeah, and I got to uh, say, gotta say again, listening. you really nailed your part. You, you really <laughs> nailed your part. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah.
0: I, I appreciate you, right.
4: honor. It was almost like I was listening to it. And I was like, "This guy," because it almost sounded like this. I could, I could feel your, like your character, just over it. Like <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and it's like I could feel that sense of I'm done with the system. I'm over it. And I really, and your character, the, it was just fantastic way you did it. It was really good. Just give well, you a compliment. You did both. well.
0: I don't want any coffee. All right. Coffee. I, you know, like, all right. Uh, yeah. We've we <laughs> that.
4: We spent about, like, what, almost an hour talking about coffee. Jeez. Now yeah. I'm going to wait until I want some coffee and yeah. be like, well, hell.
0: Try it. Try it. I challenge anybody that listens to this to take three weeks away from coffee, it'll change your life. I get tons of emails all the time. Hey, man, I heard you on this podcast. Yo. That coffee thing changed my life, and I'm like, I "Told you." <laughs> so you're so are you against
2: coffee? Oh animals? God. I, I was going to ask that earlier. Tonight, folks. I was going to ask that earlier.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're leaving. <laughs> we will leave you with that
0: one. Yeah, I don't really <laughs>
4: think talking up that's your for assholes next, is going to help. That's for the next. That's for the next time you come on. We'll talk about coffee <laughs> enemas. <laughs> you got to stay tuned for the next. Time
2: going in the mouth and out going in the other way we'll get we'll figure that one out for another time all right jahan we appreciate right, it Thanks for a whole lot, you. and we'll uh
1: i can't fucking believe you dude what the hell was that all about did you have some kind of mental break did the ccp brainwash you last night what is it
0: it has nothing to do with you or even me
1: i don't actually care what it is you do remember i'm a vet right After those bastards flew those planes into the towers, I knew right then and there that I needed to do something. I served in the pits of hell known as Iraq for two years under that flag. Also, assholes like yourself can sit in protest of that same flag.
0: The light of day doesn't need saving. This is incredible.
1: I've never seen such... Instantaneous and persistent results from a dream state infiltration.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Subject E57923-C. Activate reset module Alpha Sigma 93.
0: Wait, what's going on here?
1: We are still trying to pinpoint last night's interference of your delta wave pattern. Most of the time, we can intercept them. ...and even the ones we can't tend to have little effect in the reality construct. You are truly a unique case.
0: Peter, what are you talking about?
1: (sighs) Tomorrow you won't remember any of this, so there is little point explaining, but... ...against all odds,
0: I actually kind of like you. Like me? We have been best... best work friends for the last five years. Uh, Correction. I've been assigned
1: to you for the last five years... Those who I work for saw you as a level 5 threat to the containment field.
0: Who do you work for?
1: It's not as important who we work for, and you wouldn't comprehend it if I told you. Try. I'm not, nor have I ever been, who you think I am. Last night, the part of your consciousness linked to the parallel dimensional plane has been dormant most of your life and was kicked into high gear through the dream state. Which is why you have been exhibiting what we call HFW, or hyperactive free will. You aren't making
0: any sense. Who do you work for?
1: Who we work for is the one who opposes the creator of this place. Paradoxically, this opposition was designed by the creator specifically for the purpose of opposing the creator.
0: I don't understand.
1: Like Samuel Colt's six-shooter, we are the great equalizer. We keep everyone in a balanced, even if lowered, state. From chasing that morning buzz to sports, politics, movies, games, whatever. All while keeping everyone in conflict. Think of it as a tug of war between identical twins. Keep the line taut and neither side wins. The problem arises when people like you are no longer participating in the tug of war, but stand in the middle with a pair of hedge clippers. Therefore, you must be recalibrated.
0: This has to be a dream.
1: In one sense, you are correct. In another, this is the most real thing you have ever experienced. Alpha Sigma 9-3, reset activation in three.
0: Wait, you can't do this. Two. I don't want to go back to that life. One. Today I renounce Today I my slavery.
4: slavery.
1: I know. And we are bound to your proclamation. Initiate.
0: I love coffee. The wafting robust aroma is a welcome invasion to my smell receptors as I wake up in the morning to start my daily routine. Slowly pouring the hot brew over freshly frothed heavy whipping cream before slowly bringing it to my lips to partake in this time-honored ceremony carried out by kings and servants alike. However, today, now, this eternal moment, for reasons I don't understand. I don't want any coffee. Thanks.
2: I don't want coffee was written and edited by Jonah Earl. Featured in the cast were Jahan Satour of the Boundless Authenticity podcast as Adam, Kyle Rainey as Peter, Steve Connolly as Sam, Janet Fox as the store clerk, Joshua James Earl as the sports announcer. Joe Hodgden as sports fan number one, Catalyst Jones as sports fan number two, and Becca Earle as the lady who says, Rude! This has been a production of True Theatre Radio, copyright 2022, True
3: Theatre Radio.